everybody. Welcome to the In and After Show. We have a special Pluto edition tonight where we're going to be talking about the Netflix anime series Pluto from Studio M2. It was in production for like almost a decade. People were wondering where it was, where it was. Um, it premiered earlier or late last month, mid last month. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've finally gotten a chance to sit through all eight hour-long episodes and so we're going to talk about it it um i've been writing some of the reviews for it there's a couple i haven't gotten them all up yet i finished the last two episodes today and unfortunately you guys are probably gonna have to wait a little longer for that because i fly out to new york in about 12 hours so and these um, episodes are dense yes they're <laughs> very dense full. um i usually don't feel like i have to take a ton of notes but I took lots of notes for every single episode while I was watching this because there oh, yeah. were just so many plot threads, so many character motivations. What's the what's the overall like themes? Because certain episodes really felt like they honed in on a particular commentary on like human nature or you know robots, AI versus humans, that kind of stuff. So we're gonna be talking. Diving- I never thought that Eddie Murphy would would take such like a, a drastic turn for his career, but I thought it was really interesting the the role that he played. I need um, to know the Eddie Murphy reference because when I think of iRobot, I think of Will Smith. So who wait, are you thinking about? Are we not doing a stream on the adventures of Pluto Nash? <laughs> I don't even know what that is, James. <laughs> is the that a famous, cartoon? What no, is that? Uh, the movie that, that basically killed Eddie, movie, uh, Eddie Murphy's career in the early 2000s. Oh, God. Uh, the... Spectacular science fiction flop. I didn't. Yeah, I don't know anything about that movie. That oh, was it's like it's, it's real bad. Uh, into the vapor. I thought it was Norbert. That or no, that was like the. Well, that was more like the desperate post Pluto Nash. <laughs> See, I can still do the multiple characters thing, guys. Yeah, yeah. Money and then. Yeah. But didn't that one also kill his Oscar buzz? Didn't that come out while he was up for? Oh, like... with Dreamgirls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Norbert. Oh, oh, uh, anyway, that was my attempt at a Pluto joke. It was either that or something about Mickey's dog, but I went. Oh, I would have got Mickey's dog. I didn't get the Eddie Murphy deep cut, apparently. Well, so, if any of you listening to this uh, go out to uh, watch Pluto Nash to try to get that joke, I deeply, deeply apologize. <laughs> sorry. So, that's what not Pluto Nash, but Pluto, Pluto. the anime series based on the Naoki Urasawa manga, is going to be our our main topic of discussion today. Although we did have one piece of news we wanted to get to, and that's the Game Awards, because the nominations for that just came out, and people have thoughts. Um, This year has been so stacked with great games, it is honestly a little ridiculous. It is, and... One of, one of the things that I've been seeing a lot on social media is the controversy about the shows that got snubbed, specifically Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, pff, come on. Um, yeah. Okay, sure. Now, I never played Hogwarts Legacy. Okay. So um, I guess I can't say that it... I never got the impression that it sucked. Um, yeah. The fact that J.K. Rowling is the worst... Well, not the worst person alive right now. <laughs> she's not great. Um, not great yeah not great but uh i mean i don't know i don't i don't see anything that that game did that hasn't been done by like any ubisoft open world ish game or yeah other than involve hogwarts which is you know that's fine um more importantly what i am what we did see a lot of nominations for though is final fantasy uh 16 yeah which i haven't played any of so, you know, I, this might be a hot take from me because I'm full of them. Okay. Um, well, not, well, I don't even know if it's a hot take because it's I, I get, it's become, I think, kind of, I've seen a lot of like post praise backlash for the game. I think a lot of oh, folks, yeah. um, I don't know. I think a lot of folks have a very, very complicated feelings about 16 just because it was so different and it, it does a lot of stuff that granted people that are familiar with the storytelling and pacing of Final Fantasy 14 are, are probably really used to, but probably feel very out of left field for yeah. people that are, are more used to the mainline games. Um, I, I've just seen a lot of people uh, kind of uh, shitting on Final Fantasy 16. And I, I think that game's great. I think it has its flaws, um, mm-hmm. mostly with the combat system 
despite being really fun, there are some issues I had with it. And the story, you know, has its ups and downs. But I think it's an excellent game. And um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I get a little frustrated sometimes when I see some of the, the criticisms of the game, especially the story that I don't really think hold that much weight compared to the game's quality. But that's just okay. Yeah, I um, but I haven't I haven't even touched the Final Fantasy VII remakes, so I'm just like really behind as far as like as far as the like big narrative uh, video games. I'm still working on my first playthrough of Baldur's Gate three, although we're we're very close to uh, that game is so big to to beating it. So um, and then I could just play it again, completely different endings. The only game we ever need. Yeah. I do want to mention another one that's I got up for a lot of awards, and I remember this being called like the spiritual sequel to Jet Set Radio, and that's Hi-Fi Rush. So, which is another one that I wanted to kind of check out, but haven't gotten to yet. It's up for best art direction and music. Hi-Fi Rush is good. That's a good game. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily. I'll be honest. I'm an Alan Wake two simp all the way. That right. Game is completely blown everything out of the water for me. I need to um, even Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Um, Even Baldur's Gate? Yeah. It's like, it was one of those things where before I played Alan Wake 2, I genuinely could not tell you between some of these games what I would edge out, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3. uh, And then the minute I played Alan Wake 2, I was like, oh, yeah, this is one of the best things I've ever played in my life. Yeah. Just hands down. (laughs) So. I gotta, I gotta make time for that maybe during the, the holiday season or something. I've had it on my Steam wish list. Guys, if you want to just go, you know, over to my Steam wish list. I got wild Alan Wake over there. But um, I just started playing Don't Feed the Monkeys for the first time, too. So okay. I'm just behind on things. Um, Alan Wake 1 is a little... It's aged a little bit. Okay. Um, it's much more of an action game with, like, sl- spooky vibes. Whereas Alan Wake 2 is, like, full-on Resident Evil 4-style survival horror. Okay. So if you're looking for, like, a, a, a genuinely scary game or, like a really tense survival horror game. Alan Wake 1 is not that. That's um, okay. I'm like it, also kind of bad at games. So like, I, I don't mind if they baby me or I, oh, I, play, I play a fair amount of like walking Sims, to be honest. So that okay. Kind of the, yeah. It's more Alan Wake 1 is just, it's more of just like the, it, you'll have like an hour of running around and shooting. Yeah. And then you'll have like 20 minutes of story stuff. And that, uh-huh. that pattern just kind of repeats. So. Yeah, um, it's really good, but it's also definitely a game from 2010. Okay, got it. Yeah, and uh, and then another one I want to point out real quick is um, up for best adaptation is Castlevania Nocturne. Now it's against the Super Mario movie, but I know James that you really oh, hell, like yeah. Castlevania That's Nocturne. Your rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I am dying for a, a second season there. What are the other best adaptations? I forgot that that was uh, the only one in our article are the ones that are based on Japanese IPs. So it would take me a minute gotcha. to like open those up. But um, I also want to say James B. Gris is on my wish list. I've been meaning to play that one, or I may have purchased that one actually, and I just haven't played it yet. So uh, I do. Intend... I also have purchased but not played Gris. I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, oh, Pikmin Four too. I have. I tried to play like Pikmin for GameCube a long time ago, and Child Me couldn't figure it out. I've never so, played Pikmin. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's fun. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, keep an eye out for the Game Awards. Another maybe hot topic is that I don't think the Game Awards have commented on it yet, but I think it's the Golden Joystick Awards that have outright said that they're not accepting any political comments, like from the winners when they accept the awards, which is just wild to me. Because we all know what they mean by political. Comment, yeah, we all know right? what they're talking There's about. There's one right? specific political comment that they're not going to accept. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Bullshit. Um, so, yeah, look forward Remember to. Remember when Marlon Brando outright refused to accept his Oscar and instead had um, a Native activist come up and give a speech about. Uh, genocide against the natives. And yeah, and then the hell out. And remember great. how John Wayne like threatened to hit her during the award season? This God, like John Wayne sucks so bad. So bad. Oh, so bad. What a goon. Yeah. Was his name actually Marlin or something? Anyway, um, so let's uh, let's let's dive into Pluto. Pluto. So just like bare minimum context. Um, 
hopefully we're we will be discussing spoilers during this so if you have not finished watching it i really recommend coming back to our podcast later because it works better as a companion piece if you've already watched the show or read the manga um but just like general overview there are seven super powered robots this takes place in the future like every, you know robots are very very sophisticated at this point to to the point that you can't necessarily tell them apart from humans um they have some written in code that does that typically doesn't allow them to do things like lie and it's definitely not supposed to allow them to kill humans very um, very law, uh, laws of robotics yeah yeah so have we, have we mentioned that this takes place in the world of astro boy i had not mentioned that yet but it takes place in the world of astro boy in fact it is an adaptation of a manga arc uh specific that has been um adapted into quite a few of the different anime variations over the years over to anime news network we actually have a feature up about all the adaptations of this particular arc that have been done um in animated format as well as the original manga format but so it takes place in the world of astro boy seven super powered robots um our main point of view character most of the time is gesicht who is a german robot who works as a detective for europol which might as well be interpol but you know it's not technically interpol um and he solves robot crimes and he has you know a gun in his arm kind of like Mega Man, and he's near indestructible he lives with his wife helena in a nice little apartment and he goes to work every day and then something starts killing all of the or targeting killing the the superpowered robots, as well as the scientists that created them. Hmm. And this develops into a large-scale conspiracy about the Iraq war. I don't know. Someone, how- um, <laughs> I saw someone compare it to like the almost like the manga version of Watchmen, in a, in a sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's honestly a very good comparison. Like the idea that you have these, these sort of larger-than-life legendary heroes that are, are mysteriously being killed. And it's all like also kind of being used as a sort of um, counterpoint to like classic superhero stuff from the sixties and yeah. really interesting. And yeah. also a lot of war commentary for the time. There's a, yeah. Um, Pluto, especially uh, I think for millennials of a certain age, or if you were just like very political, like paying a lot of attention to uh, what was going on during the Iraq war, like this anime hits really heavy. Like yeah, if it, you can remember 9-11 as like something that you were alive for, this show is going to hit pretty hard. Yeah. It's it's very thinly veiled. Um, <laughs> James is like, it's not actually veiled it's, at all. It's, it's, it's so funny that like, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of this just, because I've never, I'll, I'll be honest, I've never read Astro Boy. I've seen maybe like two episodes of the show. Um, and I didn't know how much of it was just holdover from, the the world building that the original Astro Boy had established, mm-hmm. like why the United States is uh, Thracia, yeah, um, and like you know like Persia is still a thing, but like it's so it's so on the nose that I was like, well, I feel like we should just like maybe change the names a bit just to. It's it's it is blatant, and I didn't really find a way to work this into my review, but since we're talking about the show, I did have the opportunity to interview you, uh, Masao Maruyama, for about 15 minutes at Anime Expo about this series. And so I got to see the first two episodes back in, like, the end of June. So they did have this finished, I think, fairly, fairly early. And I had not read the manga. So in episode two... um, is when they really like hammer in the stuff about the 39th central Asian war, which is the stand-in for the Iraq war in this case. And they start talking about how that war came to be. And specifically that it's <laughs> James. I just like, it's God damn it. <laughs> I live, I, I Colin Powell and all of them lived on my TV for like 20 years. Yeah. I couldn't like go a day without hearing WMD this and WMD that. and Oh yeah, they played just... it on the morning radio news, which was coming in through my bus radio on while well, they were driving me to high school. So every morning, like 7 a.m., I had, you know, like 15 minutes of George W. Bush says that there's weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and- yada, The axis are evil. The axis, 
it's so stupid the axis of evil all those other sort of things that was, that was constant um i was like 14 um during uh during 9-11 and so like i have really strong memories of like the united states becoming a no-fly zone for like yeah. it was just so weird not to hear any airplanes all that kind of stuff is is really ingrained in my memory as well as like you know it was my generation that started enlisting um as a result of it and things like that and there were constant discussions about you know really really awful sort of things from classmates about how we should turn the entire place into glass just that kind of crap like all the time um and uh, i lived the, it's it, a lot of the stuff we're seeing in the news right now uh, mm -hmm. it's not new no um, and I, I know people know that but I, talking pluto it just really i don't know it when you combine this with attack on titan in the same like 14 day span it was just yeah. a lot of Oh, okay. Well, You're like, yeah, more sucks real bad. So yeah. um, the the stuff about the Iraq war becomes very uh, prominent in episode two, and that it'll carry over the entire series. Like, it's kind of like the match for the entire uh, conflict. Yeah. Um, if there hadn't been one, like, we wouldn't have this story at all, right? And I mean, they anime Saddam Hussein is like one of the anime Saddam Hussein is like a secondary character in this. Okay, they they show the statue. Like if you go over to my review and click on it, like people tried to argue with me about it. I'm like, you don't understand. This is the exact same fucking statue that like yeah, you no, watch that all <laughs> down on TV. Like you're not like, gonna yes. gaslight me about this not being yeah. about the Iraq War. But yeah, war is universal. You can apply the commentary to a lot of different wars, but no, like for real that. There's like half an episode is people debating about were, were we justified in fighting the Persian War if there weren't any? You know, it's like yeah, ends okay. up mass destruction robots parentheses like they refer to yeah. them as like robots of mass destruction. Yeah. Like during the discussion, they they talk about the president of Thracia, the United States of Thracia, lying about their existence. Like it is just we finally I, brought democracy to Persia. Like oh my god, like, oh. shut up. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I knew this again. Yeah. So I got to talk to Masao Maruyama about this specifically um, very briefly. And I was a little disappointed, although I can understand with the international press, that he did sidestep the question about it not. Because my question was, was there any consideration about how a story, ref, you know, strongly referencing the Iraq war could be perceived by international audiences? Because you got this up on Netflix, right? Like, world over and what i got was it's not about the iraq war it's about evil deeds and like the universality of no that's that. a lie it's about the like, iraq war and okay, evil deeds. it's like come I, on i understand you just don't want to talk to me about the iraq war and that's fine <laughs> come on I, you know on, and i wonder too i i've noticed that um i wonder if that's maybe just also a um like a cultural thing as far as like how uh, um like companies and entertainment uh, people are, are expected to handle politics. Cause I feel sure. like from a lot of anime, we, we get a very similar log line of, Oh no, like we didn't intend to comment on anything particular um, except for every now and then you'll get someone that's like, no, this is about the sarin gas attacks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, or yeah. Um, like when we got to talk to the director of my little box season two and he was like, yeah, no, this is about immigration. Yeah. And, yeah. Megalobox is uh, incredible. I encourage everyone to watch it. Season two uh, is an unsung masterpiece. It is. <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. So so this war kind of kicks everything off. And coincidentally, um, almost all of the um, superpowered robots were involved in the war, with the exception of um, Epsilon, who basically pulled a, a conscious... This conscientious objector, yeah. Objector too. And it's like I'm not, I'm not going. Like, and, and he gets a lot of shit throughout the entire. This is something that I really liked about the show is that we get kind of a good sense of how each of these robots have lived their lives after the war and how they have tried to either make amends for par their participation, um, or you know, a, a couple of them actually have straight. They just have PTSD. Like, oh yeah, robots just have they can just have PTSD, and that's um, something else that's sort of going on. And there's a lot of there's a lot of commentary around that. Um, mm -hmm. But when they start dying, that's when um, Gessick gets involved, and we find out 
there's all it opens up all these sorts of um different sort of philosophical questions like i guess the first one we could ask is did you feel like robots were kind of a stand-in for lar like discrimination as a whole hmm. racism. Yeah. so this is um this is one of actually the things i um i mentioned uh, before we started recording that there are certain elements of Urasawa's writing that I find a little, that don't necessarily vibe with me. And this actually, the question you just asked about what the robots represent mm -hmm. um, kind of gets to the heart of one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I think one of the things that I struggled with with the show is not that the robots aren't easily slottable to like a specific allegory, because I honestly think that would be a little... I'm glad it's not as simple as like, you know, uh, it's not like, oh my God, what was that game? Um, uh, Detroit, where they oh. have a robot section in the back of the city bus. Oh. Like, it's not that on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think for me, the, the problem is that one of the questions it, keep, it keeps posing with like the, the discrimination the robots face um, has a lot to do with the whole idea of like people not recognizing their fundamental humanity, you know, people not being willing to see them as uh, people worthy of rights. Mm -hmm. And th this is like such a personal bugbear of mine. And, and I'm, I don't even necessarily think it's a flaw of the show, mm -hmm. but something that I always thought was a little weird with how Pluto handled it is it, it tries to do that thing where like, there are a lot of people that are just inherently just bigoted and hateful and, just refuse to even think of the robots as people, right? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, obviously can has a lot of parallels to the way that we treat other people uh, that look different from us or have different beliefs. Um, so I'm not even saying that doesn't happen. But I think for me, the, the hard thing is that I've always had issues with stories that try to sell this idea that if we had like perfectly lifelike human robots, that we wouldn't that we would instinctually like deny that the, the fact that they have humanity uh, mm -hmm. I, to me, humans have such a tendency to anthropomorphize stuff. Oh, like, sure. we, we like to pretend that our phones have personalities half the time. Right. Like, yeah. We get, we get emotionally attached to our cars and our, our appliances. And so a part of me kind of found it a little almost like cart cartoonish the way that like, you know, 85% of people seem perfectly fine with robots, but then there were just like 15% of people that were like, my entire personality is that I don't believe that robots deserve rights and that they should all die. Um, and the thing that sucks is like, there are people that are like that. So I'm not yeah. even saying that that's not realistic, but in the tone of the show, I don't know, because it's not like the show kind of made a point that the robots are actively getting more and more accepted and understood and, you know, I would say most of the characters tend to believe and accept that they're totally, you know, they got rights and they have feelings and that's all good. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that, though, I felt like there was different levels of it. Sometimes these were like completely tertiary characters or just secondary characters and they could have different levels of just like presumption about robots that felt realistic to me. Like, for instance, I think it's in episode two. Um, Adam is actually investigating a murder in Japan where, you know, this like Japanese style house has completely been blown apart by one of the tornadoes. And, yeah. um, and he's with um, a, a Japanese uh, detective whose name is like Tatawari or something similar to that. And Tatawari doesn't seem like outright discriminatory, but he still sucks. Like the entire way that yeah, he talks they to got Adam. They've got the microaggressions <laughs> going on where it's like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's real eat. easy for you because you're a robot. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, f I found, like, I, I thought that one was, it was mostly pretty good. I, I'm kind of getting the feeling from what you're saying that maybe you didn't enjoy the Adolf plot line, though. It's, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just, this kind of happened in Monster 2 because okay. I liked Monster quite a bit. Um, yeah. But I think with Urasawa, sometimes it's almost like I can, I can literally see the switch flipping where mm -hmm. a character almost like stops being a person 
and mm. starts like just kind of representing a thing, like an uh -huh. idea or a problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't mind so much if not for the fact that because of the way he tells the stories where there's so many characters and so many threads happening all at once, we don't really get any kind of arc for any of these characters. They kind of just exist to represent this idea. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, Adolf technically decides not to kill Gazikt, but only really out of like plot convenience, right? It's not like we see, um, not even growth, but like it would be different if, and this is a different story, but like if we had a character that, you know, really have this like fundamental issue with robots and not recognizing their humanity, or even like maybe he thinks he does, mm -hmm. you know, he's like, Oh, I, I have plenty of robot friends. Some of my <laughs> best friends are robots. Yeah. But you know, he, he has these underlying um, blind spots and we kind of get to see as the show goes on the different ways that those manifest. And maybe he like evolves or comes to an understanding or maybe he doesn't, but we can kind of, you know, reckon his character in a larger context. But like, for me, the problem with the Adolf plot line is that it kind of just disappears. Sort of, in, like, I mean, the last third of the story. They, 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 they go back to it. Like in the second to last episode where they show uh Gessick being taken away in his robot ambulance and Adolf finally tells him he doesn't want to hate him anymore. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 as far as like kind of putting a, a out and out, murderous bigot up front in a story um i could kind of appreciate the the work that was done in the story to get you to not like adolf but sort oh, yeah. of understand oh, yeah. like how does someone get to this point it, it seemed to me at least like a fairly decent representation of like the uh people we've seen like political situations now where they they seem really hateful they vote a certain way like they seem to not even necessarily put their own what's best for them and their situation first because they they're yeah. up on this sort of and it's all centered like for Adolf it's all centered around the unfairness of of life in general right like yeah it was a sequence of the system failed him as a child failed his father essentially to make his father obsolete and so he hung on to robots took robots took my dad's job robots made us poor like all, industrialization yeah. and yes yeah, i agree that sort of thing and it's his the way he comes away from that is not valid but you can you can see why and i feel like yes. we see this play out in um in america in some cases too where you have people who are in like working class rural conditions mm -hmm. and they're afraid of progress like on a technological front as well as like on a social front and so that's where they dig their heels in and then all of a sudden you got people with tiki torches and that's it's, true. that's very yeah. true and you're right you're absolutely right that it definitely i think it definitely touches on some really meaningful and important and very realistic human emotions i think for me i'm i'm, I'm this is one of those things that i'm kind of realizing as we're talking about it mm -hmm. i honestly think and this is gonna this might sound weirdly petty but i i actually think that this might actually explain some of my larger issues of the story i think i really don't like the way urasawa writes kids okay um and like writes and uses kids in his story and i think adolf's the perfect example because okay. the way that you framed his story and his conflict and like what he represents i think on paper sounds like something i would totally eat up I'm like, yeah. it's like an anime is talking about really like, you know, meaty, philosophical, emotional issues. But then the, the way that actually plays out in the show is that when Adolf is a little boy, his dad steals a ball from a toy store. Yeah. Because all little Adolf wants in the world is a ball. Yeah. Like, I wish, and the, the dialogue is something to the effect of, like, I wish I had a ball, daddy. If only I had a ball. And then his dad's like, don't worry, son, I'll get you this ball. And then this robot comes up and says, this is the man, he stole the ball. And I, I get that the, the idea is that this guy was humiliated, his you know worth as a father was being um, you know, uh, put into question. Uh, he, he projected that onto the robots that took his job. Like mm -hmm. on paper, I get that, but it, it, it was so like, so 
kind of goofy, like yeah, like that yeah. He didn't take it seriously, and and then like when Adolf's brother becomes like a child murdering psychopath, yeah, I was like, but he's like, you know, my brother was a monster, but he didn't deserve that, and it's yeah. like your dad stole a ball from a Toys R Us. And it like that was the event that ruined your lives to the point where you're both like wanton murderers. Yeah, and I, I get that. That's probably the point that like this tiny little thing can spiral out and create this lifetime of abuse. But it, in, in the same way, we're like whenever um, what's his name? Uh, Epsilon. Yeah. Whenever his literal army of war orphans oh, are, sure. are like on screen, it's like Epsilon, Epsilon. Uh, we're we're your tether to humanity. We're everything good and innocent in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, part of me is like, okay, I get it. I get it, Urasawa. I get it. Kids, you know, children, and um, they're pure and, and joyful. And I don't know. There's just something about it that rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that that might be why, because this I absolutely of, agree with what you're saying about this. Kind of touches on something else that I noted mid noticed midway through, and it's like there's a lot of dead kids in this show. Like in general, is sort of yeah. Like, it's sort of like a, a plot device mm -hmm. in general, right? Because like, there's nothing sadder than a dead kid. So, um, I mean, jumping from Adolf to his brother, Gessick, while he's going through his investigation, he's been having nightmares. And in mm -hmm. like, and during these nightmares, we learn that they're really um, sort of like leftover bits of real memories that were wiped because mm. he murdered because Gessick yeah. did a murder okay and for a while you're like why like you know he, why would Gessick always seems like extremely calm um he navigates even microaggression and stuff towards him like fairly well like always manages to kind of defuse situations yep. um doesn't seem, yeah it doesn't really seem overtly prone to to violence against suspects or anything like he kicks a drug addict once but I mean, he's not like out there like beating the crap out of people, like yeah, right, or anything like that, right? Um, but that's when we learn that Adolf's brother moves up from just uh, stealing things to deliberate, like becoming a chi robot child serial killer, yeah, specifically, yeah, specifically um, children, yeah, and like straight up. And I feel like this must have been a reference to like M. You know, the, the old, like, Fritz Lang, like, one of the first kind of oh, serial killer thrillers. I haven't like, seen that. I, when you said M, I started thinking of Moo, which is um, just written with an M, and that's another Tezuka manga. But, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he was inspired by that. That guy loved Fritz Lang. But, um, <laughs> yeah, been, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, like, you're right. It's, like, it's, it's A, a leap, but, like, it, like, it, the whole time, because they, they talk about his brother, in the show as being mm -hmm. like the worst of the worst. I was like, is he like a, even the him? human supremacists are like, you know, your brother went too far. Like, well, first too I was like Adolf. Is, he, is he like a pedophile? Like, what did he yeah, do? Like, right? what, what is this? Um, and that's, it's really bad. Um, and so you definitely get why Gizek did what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. What we come to find out when I like the biggest twist in the story is that Gesick found a, barely living um child robot in a dump right after you know thwarting a, a a kidnapping um hostage situation and his only recurring memory of that child initially is the kind of crappy guy who runs the dump who sells him it's you know barely living body for 500 zeus which i guess is the the currency that they use there um initially when he was having those flashbacks, I thought that the old guy was like buying the child corpses for that much money. Like I thought the old guy. Yeah. Was the, oh, the show definitely it. wants you to think that it's some um, like something shadier than it is. Yeah. I couldn't tell if the show wanted us to think that it was going to be some sort of gazicked is Pluto twist. If that was like a red herring, it was trying to throw at us. But yeah, I kind of got that impression. I never thought that was the case. But like the way they frame that flashback, like makes you think that like the the reveal. And there's one of the lines from Astro Boy is like, you know, you and, and Pluto are the same. And I was like, is is he like, you know, is, does he have like a split robot personality? Yeah, yeah, and that ends up coming into play at the <laughs> it end. Does. Yeah, it before does. I, before we go into the split personality, like final 
thing. Um, but yeah, on the dead kid note, like other than Gessick, you know, committing murder over one, um, we also have uh, Dr. Tenma, who has never recovered from the death of his son, even after making um, Adam. We also have uh, uh, Dr. Abula, mm. who has never recovered from the death of um, his family, including his kids. And one of another one of Gessick's memory during the war is specifically about, you know, America bombing places that weren't that were full of civilians and killing children. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's I mean, um, Epsilon has uh, not a dead kid, but Epsilon has um, Va- Vasily, 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 yeah, Vasily, the one who can only say uh, or uh, for a long time. Yeah. Let's yeah. say children in peril. Let's say dead kids. Let's say. Yeah. Although I will say the scene with Dr. Tenma kind of confronting Astro Boy in his grief over Tobio's death. Um, yeah. That to me is like, that's where like I recognize how good Urasawa is as a writer, even yeah. though some of his, his tropes and stylistic things don't work as well for me because that scene was so good. It's really okay. good. I thought, I thought Dr. Tenma was one of the like best developed characters overall. Cause I mean, we're dealing with a lot of scientists and a lot of, there's a lot of characters throughout this whole show. It never felt overwhelming to me as far as keeping track of like what everyone's deal was, but Dr. Tubman just has like a certain presence too, whenever he's in an episode, like he's just, he's dark and brooding, but he's not like a Gendo necessarily. Although you could probably like, There's there's some parallels, right? He's just like a deeply broken man and one of the ways that he has and this is kind of like a broader question that the show uh, wants you to think about um how he's processed his feelings is that he's decided that humanity as a whole or what makes someone human is actually like its ability to hate Mm -hmm. or its ability to um despair or rage and that like those three are like central to um like to what makes a human to the human condition yeah Yeah, to the human condition itself and interestingly robots aren't believed to be able to do those things robots though can feel sadness they can feel deep sadness that was like a very early like emotive concept that uh robots have um and love as we Mm -hmm. you know we see repeatedly throughout that in in some ways robots are already possibly maybe better than humans although that kind of gets into a clockwork orange sort of question about like if you don't have the ability to choose to hate or anything does any of it matter yeah and i think for (laughs) me too and this is more i think the result of the story being a 20 year old manga that's based on a 60 year old manga Mm -hmm. um i think another thing for me that i really liked in chunks like with the the dr tema scene Mm-hmm. Um, that I liked with Gazikt for a lot of, of how they did him, mm-hmm. um, but didn't work all the time, was I think because it was so clear to me that like the robots do love, like they mm-hmm. have loving relationships, they grieve, right? Um, the right. very first episode, we see that wife who yeah. um, doesn't well, want to forget her husband. I, the I one never... who looks like a Jetsons robot. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's like Rosie, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, so to me, I think because a lot of stories that one of the first that comes to mind is like near automata. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, so many stories that deal with robots and AI have kind of have already sprung off of that idea mm-hmm. of like, can a robot hate? I think from the very beginning of the show, I was more in the mindset of, yeah, well, of course they can hate. I mean, yeah. if they can love and if they can grieve and if they can, you know, get married and, and have kids, then yeah, of course they can hate and, and want to kill people and, and all that stuff. Um, but I think because the show was like so rooted in the, but we've programmed robots not to be able to hate or kill people. Mm-hmm. It kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, well, to me, and maybe this is me kind of already being on the show's wavelength. Um, a part of me was like, well, how are you going to like, I, I feel like in order to have the capacity to love that, like to be able to feel that extreme of an emotion that your brain has to be able to, to feel yeah. all of them. The inverse. Know? Yeah. 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 Otherwise, like you said, it's like, is it then is it really love or is it just an imitation of love? Which which, which they also sure. kind of touch on yeah. too, because um Gessick, Gessick doesn't make it, guys, sorry. And so you end up oh. seeing um Helena, his wife, try and process that loss specifically. And she's so deeply, deeply empathetic. So is um Adam. 
and Uran, mm-hmm. his sister, who I felt like didn't really get enough to do in the series other oh, no. than other than get like vibes of sad people, but well, get tricked by the um um by Pluto. And then she kind of like disappears for the whole show after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we see Helena, we see Dr. Tema teaching Helena how to express her her grief, which I thought was kind of a beautiful scene. Very I similar, like that scene a lot. I wanted similar. more from her too. I would have loved more of, Hel- yeah. of Helena and Gesicht. Like there's little things seen... dropped in there. You can tell yeah. that she's like an interior designer. Like you see her on her computer and she's got blueprint layouts and stuff. I love like that. that. Like she has a yeah. good life. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that scene with her and Dr. Tenma was one of the, I felt was one of the better uh, parts of the show with him mm. basically talking her through just sobbing over the loss of her husband. And as James brought up earlier, um, there's another scene with Dr. Tenma as well, where um, Adam has basically just come home and he's sort of trying to figure out how to best imitate Tobio, who is Tenma's uh, son who died in a car accident. And he's he's too good. He's basically too good of a boy, um, compared to you know your average. He's like an anti Pinocchio. Yeah, he's yeah. Everything right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you can really feel the sadness in Doctor Tenma when he's just like you know I was mean to my son and he rebelled against me or you know what oh, was really so clean good. and all those other sort of things and like if you were I, my I son, would not have this a whole meal. show about yeah. about um, Tenma and Astro. Uh, but like playing that relationship for all of the fraught drama instead of yeah. like just the 1960s, you know, because that was so good. Yeah, um, I, I think, don't think I, we got a clear a clear line of when he left living with Doctor Tenma, and I think started living with uh, Doctor Ochinamazu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ochanomizu. Sorry, everyone. Because yeah. um, I feel like they're they're was an inciting incident or something where he was just like all right bro like you're weird all the time i'm out didn't astro mention and this is something that i i seem to remember from like maybe even the opening of the old black and white cartoon but didn't he mention like he got sold to a circus or something oh yeah yeah tenma gave him away (laughs) sold him to a circus, and like that's also kind of like an ongoing thing about like tenma and his experiments he's like yeah um so I did make the perfect AI and I loaded it with like 9.8 billion personalities, but it just, you know, never woke up because it had too many options. You're like, well, what happened to it after that? And for a long part of the show, he's like, I don't know. Don't think that's a problem. Maybe. So that, that that's, what, that's something I wanted to ask you, Lindsay, because this is where, um, cause one of the questions we're asking, like, is the show like a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Um, from a production standpoint, Mm-hmm. I think you have a pretty good argument because this show looks freaking incredible. Yeah. And uh, the direction is impeccable. The music is great. Yeah. Um, there are, are scenes throughout the episodes that are just so powerful. Um, but once we get to the like episode six of eight marks, so two hours left in this eight hour mini Yeah. Yeah. Gazikt, our, you know, our, our main character up to this point ends up um, dying. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of losing the battle to Pluto almost uh, as like a culmination of his arc where he refuses to take another life, even if it means that he dies. Yeah. So maybe the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, what did you make of, of where the show eventually went with the, the mystery of who Pluto was, who Dr. Abula ultimately was mm-hmm. and, and, the like how that all ended up resolving did you find like the the twists um and uh the the eventual like conclusion of that to be worth the the many hours of of um build up for it i have to think really hard about that um so like there were parts that i thought were like kind of darkly funny and ironic in the ironic sense and that's like what boro was originally made for like Bora's original purpose and then what he ended up being yeah. was kind of like, it was kind of like a sick joke. Yeah. Like, and I mean, and it, it tied back also to um, not Saddam Hussein, where it's like, no, I wasn't de- developing a robot of mass destruction. We were trying to terraform the the desert to reach a more like prosperous. Um, to make flowers. To make flowers. So that we could like not starve in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. And 
um, the president of the United States and the evil supercomputer that lives in a teddy bear that he listens to. <laughs> a very underexplained element of his story. It is very, uh, that is, I, that was something I had to kind of go read afterwards because I was like, why? Why? Um, why is there an evil bear and why does it get assassinated? Like, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can put it together, but it tonally, it is so out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I appreciated that particular twist. And I, I'm always for it still being more of the United States' fault. That's fine with me. Like, you can you can do yeah. that. You can ramp that up as far as you want. Because that's basically we it. what they kept we, it. Yeah. yeah we we've earned that. that reputation. We have earned. Yeah, that. Um, you know, but kind of the, yeah, we have, um, that's what Bora is. And also, there's a like a volcanic geyser that hasn't blown up in a long time. And he's going to use a bomb to explode it. And it's going to what that part, like that last minute ante up. I sure. Okay. It just, it wasn't, that didn't work for me near or wasn't nearly as interesting to me, I guess. Um, and like, I get what they were trying to do, right? Like they, yeah. they were taking literally the plot of an old Astro boy story yeah. and, and, kind of marrying it with this socio-political allegory, mystery, exploration of the darkness of the human soul, which I think is really a cool idea. But it is it is very odd to go from like six and seven hours, really a very ponderous, um, slow-paced, um, emotional, heady, um, kind of idea-driven storytelling to then culminate it all with literally preposterous super volcano doomsday device that will explode the planet unless Astro Boy can, can save it. Um, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, it's, I'm also with you. I'm kind of, I'm still thinking like, I don't know. I'm okay with like the Pluto robot aspect as far as it being like a vehicle of revenge for uh, Dr. Abula. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that being kind of like a driving force and, you know, the mystery of fi- finding out um, who Pluto really was and his original purpose and like him, his identity still being like deep in there. I, I liked all of that. Um, I don't know that we necessarily even needed the like nine billion AIs. No, that, that, be exposed yeah. to hatred because that's how we're going to get Astro Boy to wake back up sort of deal. That seemed kind of like, like if you wanted to start cutting things for, for side stuff to like condense it even a little bit tighter. That's something that I feel like you could do. Um, well, th- even if they just simplified it to, like, you know, no matter how complex and how like sophisticated we made it, you know, we had to introduce some. We had to introduce a flaw. Yeah. You know, the the problem was that it was too perfect and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't be human unless you are deeply flawed. Like mm-hmm. that's what, that's ultimately what the story is going for, but you're right. I think that like, it, it kind of overcomplicates it with like the, some of these elements where, you know, Dr. Tim is like, I put literally every human personality in the robot and it's like, Whoa. Okay. For fun. <laughs> for funsies, just, just, you know, <laughs> see what would happen really. Um, you know, like that part, could could take or leave it like at the end bora didn't quite feel as like i kept expecting like there to be like a literal connection between bora and pluto like not not them necessarily being two entirely separate robots i kept waiting for that to somehow like oh it's the consciousness of bora but inside the body of this or something like that um but that you know obviously isn't what happened um so yeah i think there were there there was some parts that were kind of beating the point home quite a bit, like uh, the part about the flaws in particular. Um, I did appreciate that they let Astro Boy lie to Helena about both Gessick's last thoughts and yeah. and yeah. everything because he died angry, like because felt hatred in his final moments, and he didn't pass that on to Helena, even though she knew he was lying. So there's lots of like good emotion, very emotional parts. Um, I still think episode two with um, 
Northmark too, and the old man playing the piano is like yeah. kind of one of the best like singular story throughout the entire thing. Yeah, very a very good part. standalone. Uh, honestly, I think maybe the best use of like a standalone kind of side character. I I didn't feel quite as attached to like um, to Epsilon or um, definitely not Hercules. Yeah. Or, um, who's the other guy with the orphans? Um, Marlon Marin Mon- Brando. Brando. Yeah. It's like Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah, Brando. <laughs> um, you know, because they all have you know each of the super super weapons weapons robots of mass destruction has yeah. like their they get their little story they're, yeah they're kind of parable um but yeah. i agree i think that the um the north number two is the best one just as yeah. far as i i thought it was interesting just like the the subject matter of like a film composer and the the mansion setting yeah um and like the relationship that they built i thought it was it was really sweet and really well done yeah and they they focus on these ideas of like memory specifically mm. robots have perfect memory right and this older man his memory isn't he's actually it's he's editorialized it to make a villain out of his mother for instance yeah. and um it also kind of still deals with the advancement of technology and a resistance to it in a way that's not quite as blatant as the stuff that goes on with like Adolf's dad. Um, but, you know, they, they find camaraderie. You've got a robot who like it has post-traumatic stress disorder and never wants to talk about, have anything to do with forever again and wants to pursue music. And you have this bristly like Ebenezer Scrooge type and, it was yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed like that particular segment a lot. No, it's very good. I think yeah. my favorite. I think that was my one of my favorite parts of the show. I really loved pretty much any time Doctor Tenma was on screen. Um, yeah, pretty much every scene he had was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked. Kind of, I, I I liked it a little bit less when we saw the whole thing like unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Um, in the seventh episode or the eighth episode, I think it's the beginning of the eighth episode. Uh, Gazik's like origin story. Uh-huh. Um, but even though I, I wasn't a huge fan of Adolf as a character, I did really love the. I thought that was the most interesting kind of twist where we see that Gazik um, had the memories of the fact that he was a robot that broke the murder commandment array. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily like super shocking just because the whole show is like building up to it like so intently, but yeah. I thought it was really well executed. Like, especially in the more fragmented version where I, I, I didn't love like the whole, like the random, random child kidnapping, which yeah. then like literally he looks five feet away and there, there happens to be an orphan robot for him to pick up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He asks himself, I wonder why a father would say such a thing about his child. Oh, look, a baby. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. when when you just like just the the fragment of the memory of like the little um like skeleton robot baby like walking towards them, I thought that was super haunting and yeah and very powerful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that part a lot too. I'm trying to think of um And Astro Boy whooping include his ass was great. Just Yeah, yeah, the final battle was good. Yeah. 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 A lot of the the fights in general were like really good. I mean, for a while, you know, they were keeping a lot of it under wraps because they weren't going to show you what Pluto actually looked like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think it was the Hercules fight was also pretty good where he was like fighting him in the ocean and stuff. Yeah. Um, did you like um, Robot Hannibal? I I did like Robot Hannibal. And I, ha- I if I could ask Urasawa anything, I was like, okay, so like how much do you like Silence of the Lambs? Because that is so obviously <laughs> there was 100 percent a Clarice Starling, yeah, yeah, Silence of the Lambs that was, that sort of thing. Fun. Yeah. Um, I did occasionally wonder how Brow knew the things that he knew. Because mm-hmm. he was like stuck in like like a pit. Um and I didn't know like I because I know he did share some of his memories with him with the or or they were like trading information. Yeah. Um but it's one of those things where I didn't mind that much because I just like enjoyed listening. Yeah, to was, they're, they're back and forth. What did you think of Astro Boy uh, freeing him from prison so that he could commit a murder? So he could murder the robot teddy bear overlord of the United States. Yeah, yeah, um, the teddy bear shadow government, which is. I loved. It made me wish 
and I, I guess, and it's so hard because it, it wouldn't work with the tone of the story. I wish we'd gotten more Astro Boy in mm -hmm. the show, even though, again, the whole point is that it's like not from his perspective, but I, I really liked kind of the, um, you know, the, the gray areas that he had to go to in order to beat Pluto after learning to hate yeah. him. Um, yeah. and the fact that like, he just, you know, allies himself with the world's most notorious robot murderer. Did we ever find out what he, like what he murdered a guy for? Did we even know? I don't remember that that was. Did you ever um, explain like who he killed or why? In the anime. I always, and the whole, the whole thing that they make a big point of at the beginning is that um, there's no flaw in his AI. And so I always took that like initially to mean like, well, of course not. He's just closer to being human than the yeah. other robots. That's why he can murder, but there's nothing like technically wrong with him because yeah, he's working as intended. He has a brain that mimics that of a human. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it's elaborated in the manga or anything. Brow uh, just sort of struck me as a dude who killed a man wants to see what it was like. Because he act, I mean, he, he genuinely, and maybe the, a part of this is the English dub because um, uh, Sun Wan Cho yeah. is the, uh, um, he voices uh, um, the character and does a great job. Yeah. Um, but he definitely, the way he's played up in the English dub, at least, like he's, he's like evil, evil genius, like evil villain. Yeah. Like he sounds like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Um, not in, he's not doing an impression, but it's very much like that, uh, you know. He sounds like he's killed like dozens of people, and that he liked every bit of it. Yeah, and so yeah. one was like, "Did he just like kill one dude like one time?" But he's just like fully owned. He's like, "Ah, yes." Uh, he he kind of sounds like Bane a little bit. He's like, "Oh, really? Ah, yeah. Hello there, detective. <laughs> I was wondering when we return." Every time he got his weird like arm all the way out there, it was like, "Don't touch it." <laughs> No, don't don't touch, touch it. That guy is going to choke you out. And then that's exactly what he does. It's like, I'm going to choke out the president of the United States. Yep. But then I'm going to kill myself to kill this bear. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it was one of those things. Maybe does the killing the bear even kill the computer? I don't know. Do we know I, that the computer dies? The evil America computer? I don't know. Yeah. Because it's the big, giant, like, red thing taking up that entire room. But. I, I think it, we're supposed to think that it did, you know. Vote that guy out of office is all I'm saying. <laughs> he doesn't represent my interest. Out of here. Trying yeah. to blow up the super volcano in Yellowstone National Park. And he's like, I was just trying to, you know, do some Cold War shit and covertly knock out all the super robots to protect the United States. And the teddy bear's like, well, I just wanted to kill all of the humans because the robots will be fine after we do I this. just wanted to literally do the plot of the Matrix and block out the sun. <laughs> Basically. No biggie. No, no biggie, yeah. No, I, I liked Brow. I wish he was actually in more episodes just so that he could be a smarmy evil guy because that's one of my favorite kinds. I want of a scene with him in a, in a Hawaiian shirt calling up Gazit. He's got like white, like yeah. wide brim hat on. I have to meet a friend for dinner. It doesn't even make sense. You don't eat food. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we should get a sequel that's all about Brown. I know he's probably dead, but we should get a sequel yeah. that's like him uh, seducing Gizik, who's alive somehow. Um, God, Hannibal's so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a flashback to the. The Hannibal movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just get Urusawa to do a one shot. Although to be to be fair to Urusawa, he said that like creating this manga was such um an undertaking, like from a writing perspective, I think, that he said he'd never do it again. As far as like going into someone else's work and then like kind of reinventing an element of it to make a story. Um, oh, I know. If someone was like, hey, do you want to write like a an official Evangelion fanfic? I'd be like, oh, no. But does, will, will Arno see it? Will he? <laughs> will his family see it? Like, like No, too much pressure. <laughs> too much, too pressure. much pressure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so um, I think that kind of wraps it up as far as, you know, what we kind of wanted to get into. Again, like, this is a really great series. Um, don't try and marathon it or your brain will turn into mush, though, because um, it is it is a lot. It deals with a lot of different 
top topics. Space some, it out for sure. Yeah. yeah, it has some very interesting things to say again about like what makes us human, um, about uh, despair and hope and love and all those other sorts of you know great things that you want from fiction. I think that it is a very much a talking head show. Like some, there's not a lot of action in it generally speaking, but I feel like the way that it's framed and how it moves from character to character, even within yeah. episodes, keeps you from kind of getting like, you know, bored. Um, yeah. Beautiful uh, animation production values. So yeah. if you want to see some animators that are just working at like the top of their game, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, definitely agree. And with that said, um, guys, we won't be here on Wednesday next week because I'm going to need a break. I'm going flying out to Anime NYC if you plan to be there. Uh, we've got two panels going. We've got the Anime News Network 25th anniversary panel. And then also a panel about how to be an anime journalist. So uh, check your schedules and try and make it to those if you can. If you see me, say hi. Jackie will be there too. Um, and just looking forward to a to a good show. Awesome trip. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Celebrate our 25th anniversary. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, that means when ANN launched, I was 11. So and I was six. Yeah. So time flies. Time flies. Yeah. Thanks everyone for coming out. Check out Pluto. It's on Netflix and we'll see mm -hmm. you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.